because of Christ that we ask these things. Amen. All right, brethren. <clears throat> We've made it to Acts. I thought it was good to end in John. I just kept reading, kind of like going into Exodus after as we finished Genesis. That's what came next. And uh, it was too good to... Too good to stop. I've titled this message, The Second Coming. The Second Coming. Christ is going to come again. And and like I said, I, I, we're taught a lot of things, and there's a mess of precepts and, 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 and knowing Christ how to walk through this world. And that's important. It's important how believers live. It is. Uh, but it's it's more important how, how mankind dies. And that's that's what I'm to prepare us for and, and the people that hear this and uh, as the Lord raises up people throughout time, you're going to die. <laughs> Everybody's going to die. And and I tell you what, it pay attention to me today. Right now there's a lot of concerns around this world in, in your world. Here in a minute you ain't going to care. I mean, twinkle of an eye, you ain't going to care about nothing. You ain't going to care about your, your spouse or your children or your neighbor or your rent or your taxes or your jury duty or your work or your retirement accounts or what benefits you're going to leave to the legacy of your heritage. The Lord, don't take us in, a, in an instant. We might be on a deathbed and none of, none of what we call life is going to matter. We ain't going to care. Now, we'll slowly migrate that way as time goes on. And either, either we're going to go to the Lord or he's going to come to us. And we ought to be ready either way. And this ain't uh, affable manners uh, matters. This isn't something that's, that's flippant and that we ought to take lightly. This is very serious. This is for you. This is a message of God for you for this hour. Here in Acts, <clears throat> from whom is this letter? Who's writing this? Well, Luke wrote, to uh, Theophilus in, in Luke, didn't he? And he writes here to Theophilus. And so many think that Luke wrote this, but whether it was the gospel according to that disciple, Luke, God wrote it. That's who's speaking. And whether it's, it's Luke writing here or whoever else, this is God speaking. That's who this word is from, this recorded history of the church. God told them to do something. You're going to serve me, feed my sheep. Now here they're going to do it, and we have a listing here of all the things that's going to happen that they're doing. This is the acts of the apostles. This is what they did. They were given a job from the master to do. And it's, this, this word is recorded from the Holy Ghost moved upon Luke or somebody else to move hand. Whose hand does it matter? Men talk themselves blue in the face over who wrote it. But that's who it's from. It's from God. Who's it to? Theophilus. You know what that word means, that name? Friend of God. Friend of God. This is from God to his friends. And he told his, his disciples that. Then he said, you're my friends. You're my friends. Do you want to be a friend of God? This is who this is to. Christ came and he did things on this earth. He didn't just show up and kind of observe for a while and leave. He came and he did stuff. He did something. And, and he taught Things. People don't like me taught because we think we know everything. He taught things. He died for his sheep. He arose 
and, and, and he, he set at the right hand of the Father on high, making intercession for us, the mediator. And he sent the Holy Ghost to his people. He said, if I don't go, the Comforter won't come. You got me right now. And in that day and in this day, God sends a Holy Ghost to his people. He sends his spirit to them. And, and he's doing that to hold us over as an earnest down payment for a little while because he's coming again. There's a, a phrase where I grew up that's horribly just misused, but it's so. Uh, parents catch their children doing something they ought not be doing. And that says, is that how you want to be when Jesus comes? Well, is that, I, I think of that to myself. If I go to do something that's dumb and I know it's wrong, I thought, is this what I want to be doing whenever the Lord comes? When that's, that sky opens up, here he comes with a shout and a trumpet and a whole host of angels. He's coming again. Verse 1 there in Acts says, The former treaties have I made, O Thelopius, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. I wrote to this before, the Gospel of Luke, likely. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. This is not an urban legend. This is not an old wives' tale. This ain't the tradition of your fathers. This isn't a fable. You know what a fable is? That's a, a lie to teach a moral lesson. Isn't that a little oxymoron? <laughs> a made-up story to teach something that's true. That's not what this is. This is the truth. It says in verse 3, To whom also he showed himself alive. After his passion, after his temptation and, and forsakement and, and torture and payment that he was passionate about, that he was willing to forego with a joy set before him. He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. You going to list them? I don't need to. You'll experience them shortly if you're his being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about things that didn't matter. He didn't want to sit down and have a long two-hour conversation on your goldfish. He talked about the kingdom of God and not about your heart medication or where your kids go to private school or the curriculum that they have. He talked about the kingdom of God. I asked friends of God, has he came to you? Has he showed himself alive to you after his sufferings, knowing that he did die and he showed himself alive? And has he done this by many infallible proofs? That it just there are too many to list. Has he proved himself to you out of his word? That's what it says. That's what he did. It, it really does say that. He really did do what he said he's going to do. And, he, and in providence and in creation and salvation and everything, over and over and over again, the, we, we live in this world with experiences. And while we work during the day, we think about him all day. And, and, and we, we, we say, that's right, that is what he says. Infallible proofs. He's proved himself to you. Has he been your teacher? Have you learned anything? <laughs> Has he taught you something? About the things pertaining to the kingdom of God? Not how to change oil in a, in a vehicle. Has he taught you something? Are we better off now than we was four years ago? Have we learned anything? Something? Experience? Patience? Hope? 
Has he given you commandments? Has he put something in your hand to do? Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But the Lord speaks, Wait for the promise of the Father, which ye have heard of me. You stay right here and wait what I to- and remember what I told you. Remember, remember, <laughs> I told you plainly. Remember, you stay right here and wait on me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I told you I was going to send the comforter. I told you the Holy Ghost is coming, and that's who I'm sending. Now you stay right there. I have something for you to do. I told you I'm going to send you to go feed my sheep, and in some way, shape, form, or fashion, all 120 of them is going to. And wait there, I'm sending the Holy Ghost. This is going to happen. God's going to send his Holy Ghost to his people. The, the children of the devil can mock it and they can make fun of it all they want. And comedians can make fun of it. Do it. Do what you want. If you Mock God if you want to. But when the Lord sends his spirit at his command, his people shall receive the Holy Ghost. Just like the wind. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know <laughs> I don't know how it works. But it's so. It's so. He'll wake them up. And they'll be alive. And then the first thing they're going to say, I was dead. I'm going to die. <laughs> it's so. That's what was prophesied in Joel too. You know, a lot of times with these prophecies that we don't understand, we understand them real well whenever it comes to pass. So wait. Wait. And then that day will come when we'll know as we're known. And the Lord will set us down and be our teacher. He'll preach to us. And all the, that's exactly what that said. That's exactly, I can't believe I didn't see that. Joel said, he said, the Lord's going to pour out the Spirit on you and and your brothers and sisters and your children, and they're going to run through the streets, and the skies are going to do crazy things, and the Lord's going to send his Spirit to his people, and he's going to save them. And here in, Chapter 2, Paul's, or Peter's going to stand up and he'll say, that came to pass. It's exactly what Joel was talking about. I get it now. And that keeps happening, doesn't it? Well, in verse 6, it says, and they were, when they therefore were come together, they gathered together. They asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Does that mean that he's going to establish an earthly kingdom over in a physical place called Israel? If they ask that question, people still asking that question. Just like these believers. But they're looking at the wrong thing. They're looking at the wrong thing. Well, what's going on in Palestine? Who cares? Look to Christ. It don't matter. But they were saying, they were asking, they're like, is this it? Like, we we kind of got a hand on what you're saying. <laughs> you're going to make us kings and priests and and you're going to wrap this whole thing up. We don't know what that's going to look like. Is the end coming now? Are you coming? Are you going to be gone for three more days and come back? Is this your second coming? He said in verse 7, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Several times throughout the Scripture, the Lord says that. No man knows the day. And if somebody's focused on a day, they don't know Christ. They're looking at a day and not a man. If I could say that more bluntly and people get it, I'd say it more bluntly and people get it. But the Lord has to teach. But he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. 
He's done that. Well, what are we supposed to do then? God's going to give us something to do. Hang on. He told him over Matthew, he said, The day and hour knoweth no man, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's it. It cannot, and to, 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 we don't decide that that's right. That is right. What are we going to do? He said in Matthew 24, 42, Watch therefore. Watch. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Until then I gave you something to do, feed my sheep. Make them look to me. In Matthew 16, the Lord told him, he said, those Pharisees said, you can discern the face of the sky. Uh, pink skies at night, sailors delight. We still say that, don't we? You can discern the face of the sky, and you, you can't discern the sign of the times. He said, you're not going to get a sign other than the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them, and he departed. He said, you want to see something? You're getting somebody that's going to go in the ground for three days. He's going to be dead, dead. Declare to all mankind salvations of the Lord and rise again. You're going to get Christ, not a day. That's what he's telling them. And then immediately, he's telling them it's time to preach and to look to Christ, not the evidence of his coming. That's what he's telling Matthew 16. And then they get to the other side of the water, and he told his disciples, they came to him, he said, beware of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. That's just a little, well, no, I think that bad. It's just a little bit of leaven. He just got through talking to them. What the master's saying is they're pointing to something other than me. You watch out for them. You watch out for them. This is serious because he's coming again. Like he told Peter, he said, what's it to you what I do with these others? You go feed my sheep. Now in verse 8 it says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. What are you going to do? You're going to witness me. You have saw me. You know me. I've revealed myself to you. I put my Holy Ghost in you. The Spirit's with you. And you're going to witness. Witness. And I'm going to be with you. You're going to witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You preach to them. And then you baptize them. If, they, if they're baptizing that Holy Ghost, both those baptisms are the same right there. Uh, John baptized, but I'm going to baptize in the Holy Ghost. If, if the Lord comes to someone and they're completely immersed in the blood of Christ, they will publicly confess him after that. They will publicly confess him in believer's baptism. It's so. But he says, you preach to them, you baptize them, you teach them my commandments, tell them to look to me and tell them to wait on me because I'm coming back for them. Verse 9 says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, they were looking at him. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven, up into heaven? This same Jesus. You're looking up. You watched him. What did he go up in? A cloud? You sure you remember right? This one you're watching. You're just He went up, and that's done, and they're just... Stare. Is he coming right back? <laughs> he told us to wait on him. But they told him, I said, This same Jesus, which is taking up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Well, that's important. That ain't just words on a page, that's a message. 
He's going to come in like manner. Are we interested in the second coming of Christ? Are we, do we care about the first coming? This is important. In like manner, manner, they beheld him. They saw him, didn't they? And a cloud received him up. In like manner, on that day of Christ's return, let's all get us excited. It's going to be a cloudy day. I was coming at Peak the Hill coming down here this evening about 4 o'clock and I saw them clouds. I love watching that marine layer come in. I said, this might be it. I may not have preached tonight. Lord may be preaching <laughs> This could be it. It's going to be a cloudy day. Do we get upset when it's a cloudy day? I was wanting to get a tan. It's a sunny. I'm cloud rolled in. Uh, rain, rain, go away. Come again another day. That's what we teach our children to say, isn't it? Come, Lord. When he comes, it's going to be a cloudy day. It's going to be a cloudy day. He says in Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. They saw him. He went up into a cloud, right? Well, when he comes back in, in like manner, it's going to be a cloudy day, and every eye shall see him. They beheld him, and now this time, every eye is going to see him. And they also which pierced him, and the kindreds of this earth shall wail because of him. Even so, hang with me to the end. Amen. <laughs> Even so, amen. You know, there's some similarities between the first coming of Christ to this earth, the Messiah, and the second coming. Just like in our spiritual birth, there's a lot of similarities to our physical birth and our spiritual birth. A whole lot of similarities. And there's some similarities between that first coming of Christ when he came to this earth and the second coming. And if we care to see him again, we ought to... We ought to delve on these things and dwell on them and consider them what's similar about it the first one it was a personal appearance he came in the flesh he came as a real person it wasn't as if he came as as if he had a body a body was prepared for him he was born of a virgin he had mitochondrial dna just like every other child of adam he was one of us he wasn't a child of adam he was a child of the holy ghost he was a child of his father son of god there was a supernatural took place in him that he was one of us flesh and bone he walked this earth what he eat he said if i was hungry i wouldn't ask you and then he went to his disciples and he said children do you have anything to eat and they gave him fish and a piece of honeycomb was he hungry he was proven to them he was not a spirit he said a spirit i'm flesh and bone he said come here put your hand there. you look at my my wounds on my hands. You look, feel my side. Look at my feet. You handle me, he said. This is a man. This is like us. The other thing that's similar, he was promised by the Father. That second coming, he's man's coming too, isn't it? He was promised to the Father. Moses and all the prophets. What'd they say? He's coming. What does the what does the four synoptic gospel or the the four gospels say? He's here, and he's doing something. What's the epistles say? He's coming again. He's coming just as he was prophesied to come exactly and when and where and everything that was just right. He came, and in like manner, God's teaching us something. He's going to come again. He said he's going to. He said he was. That promise of the first and second coming alike. You know what? something that's similar they have in common? It makes believers happy. 
It makes children of God real happy. It don't make them mad. It don't bore them. They like to hear these things. They want to learn their Lord. And it tickled those prophets and saints of old, and it does us too. I want to know about these things. He's coming again. The Lord, people was troubled. His, his disciples were troubled. He told them, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again, and I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Does that make you happy? He hadn't left us to ourselves, and this ain't just a fact we got to stick with. He's coming again. And he said, I want to prepare a place. I'm going to come get you. You're going to be with me. Another thing that's similar to that first and that second coming, it was unexpected. It was unexpected. What's going to be going on when the Lord comes a second time? Oh, well, we're, we're all going to know when we're going to have three weeks of this and two weeks of that, and then this is going to happen, a volcano is going to go off, and little spaceships are going to come down, and things are going to be in the clouds, and they're going to be all goofy. You won't know it's going to come. He's going to come in the cloud, and it's going to be rolled back as a scroll. We ain't going to be expecting it. Mankind ain't going to expect it. He said they did eat and drink and married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered that ark. And a flood came and destroyed them all. Don't you want to warn folks? Is there anybody that you love or care about that you want to know about this? Likewise also, as it was the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. People be going on about their daily lives, won't they? Be completely unexpected but some won't be surprised. Simeon wasn't surprised, was he? He was looking for it. He didn't know when. He didn't expect it. Oh, it's going to happen tomorrow. He wasn't foolish like that, but he wasn't surprised. He looked for him, and we do too. He said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. That's how they're the same. But you know there's a lot of differences too. I just thought this was so precious. I hope it's better than bullion to you. <laughs> How it's different. That first coming across and that second coming across, it's going to be different. How is it? How did he come the first time? As a baby. An infant. How will he come the second time? The God-man. The infinite. Instead of the infant, it'll be an infant. First time he came, he was born in trouble and poverty. Second time in full glory and all majesty. First time he came, it was a lamb that opened not his mouth. I can't wait. Revelation says it will be like a roar when that angel speaks. He'll come as the victorious line of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. First time he came, he tread the wine press alone. Second coming, he'll be accompanied by millions of saints and angels and heavenly hosts with him. The first time he came, you know what his enemy said? Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. 
They're going to say something different the second coming. They'll cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on. The first coming, the scriptures say, they all, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. The second coming says, you know where I'm going with that? I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. He came first in Luke 19. Those people, he rode that, that unbroken ass into Jerusalem. The people threw the palm leaves out and all that, and they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What did the Pharisees do? Shut them up. Make them stop talking so much. And he said, if I hushed them up, these rocks would cry out to me. They'd worship me. Do you know what's going to happen that second time? Isaiah 52, 12 says, The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. It says the milk's going to run out of the valleys. Wouldn't that be something? We ought to know these things. That way if the hills start singing, the trees start clapping, and milk starts coming out of the valleys, we ain't worried to death. Crying if they fall on us. We'll say, our Redeemer's coming. This is wonderful. This is good news. Something that's very different between the first and second coming of Christ was the purpose. The purpose of his coming. That's different too. The purpose of why he came the first time was to suffer the penalty of death for his people. That's what we earn. He came to lay down his life for the sheep. That second coming, he's coming to receive his inheritance. Those heathens that he died for, he said that they're Psalms, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. He's coming to get us. He said, I come, if I go to a fair place, I'm going to come and get you. You'll be where I am. The first time he came to save his people from their sins as an offering for justice. The second time he comes to judge all apart from those that he died for, he come to process justice. The first time he opens the door to grace. How can a man be just with God? Well, here comes God to make us just with him. That, that, that door of grace is open. Whosoever, come eat, drink, buy without money. Come to him. You labor and heavy laden, come to him. Come to him. The second time he comes, he's going to close that door. There in Revelation 3, it says, He that is true, he that hath the keys of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth. Right now, that door's open and nobody can keep him out. <laughs> come, not me, not anybody else. Come, come. But when he comes, he shutteth and no man openeth. It's done. Well, I don't want it to be done. No matter what you want. The time's come. That he came first to draw the guilty to himself. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come to me. And that second coming, he'll cast out all those opposing. He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Turn over to Revelation 6. That might help us, help us look at it while we hear it. Revelation 6. Verse 14. <clears throat> so he will come in that cloud, and it says there in Revelation 6, 14, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. We sang that, don't we? And the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. 
precious thing. It ought to get excited when the clouds come in. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of earth and the great men, the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bond man and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For them it was too late. Here's the good news. For us, it's not too late. For you, it's not too late. That door to the ark will be shut and it will be sealed with pitch by the hand of God. But that hadn't happened yet. We have brethren on this earth that haven't been saved yet. The Lord hadn't gathered them together <laughs> to worship with them and to meet with them. That hadn't happened yet. What's it going to be for the believer? We see those things and we rejoice. And there's things that right now we'll be sad about that I won't be sad then. I'll say, amen, this is right. Those that I love, the Lord cast into a lake of fire. I'll say, this is good. What he does is right. Amen. I can't enter into that yet, but it's so. What will it be for us? I want to see him coming. I want to see him in all his glory and majesty and power and heavenly hosts with him. <laughs> whatever he's going to do, the mountains and trees, and I, whatever that means, I want to see it. All his majesty. But what does that mean for us? What's going to happen to us? We know that that judgment's coming with it, but what, what about us? Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, you know, if, we, if we're troubled over believers that die, we're being ignorant. We don't know. And Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to teach you something. So pay attention to me. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Don't be, don't be tore all to pieces. You're going to miss them, but don't sorrow, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Remember what prevent means? That's prevenient grace. We're not going to go before. Those that the Lord's already taken, he's going to come, he'll get those bodies out of the grave, and then he'll deal with us. <laughs> They'll go first. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. A man's going to come. Not just He's not sending a representative personally. He's coming with a shout. There's going to be a trumpet going off. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall first rise. What a thought. There's no, <clears throat> there was a hymn and, and Hank Williams Sr. sang it and it turned into a bluegrass song and they just made the lyrics terrible. Originally, it's pretty good because they're just quoting Scripture. It says, He set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. That great angel will come. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. What a thought that'll be. Verse 17 says, And when they are that which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
Are you uncomfortable? Are you disturbed? Are you sad? Are you heavy, heavy laden? Are you troubled? And whatever synonyms go with those things, is it bad for you? The Lord made Paul's hand move to tell those brethren to tell us, verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You want comfort? Let's talk about when the Lord comes. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be a good day? How will this take place? We're going to be changed. I ain't fit. I, I can't go to be with the Lord right now the way I am in this body. I can't do it. I have scars on me. Did you know that? I got a bunch of scars. I can't be in his presence like that. Only one's going to have scars. <laughs> him. I have to be pure, holy, without blame, unreprovable before him with love. What's going to happen? 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, we'll start in verse 50. First Corinthians 15, 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, if, if, if we don't go to the Lord first and we're alive when he's coming, we're going to be changed. This is a very common expectation of God's people from, from Eve on. There ain't been a believer that ever lived that didn't say, this has got to be it. Sure, I mean, the Lord's coming soon. She had a man child. She said, I got the man. You said he's going to send one. <laughs> Your seed's coming. Here he is. We're going home now. He told that church that Thessalonians, he said, I know you were calling an election of God, brethren. They didn't know there's an elect of God, but Paul knew from outside looking in. I could tell that. Um, I know the difference between a, a dinosaur and a, a, a chicken, don't you? Well, I, this is pretty obvious. You turn from your idols. God came to you in power. He has your spirit in you. I've, heard, I've seen the fruits of the spirit come out of you. And he said, and you're waiting for him to come. You're waiting on the sun to come. You're expecting you expect that's he's our expected end. He's our expected end. We're going to be changed, verse 52. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. John wrote about this too. This was a, a concern. I want, I want to know something of that, don't you? What's this going to be like? John said, It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. I want to be conformed to his image. Whatever he is, that's what I want to be like. However he thinks, that's how I want to think. Whatever he does, that's what I want to do. However he smells. <laughs> I heard somebody say it one time about cologne. They said it, it should be discovered, not declared. Don't put too much on. Everybody can smell it. Let them get in close to find out about it. I want his smell declared. I want to smell it plainly. Verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. What does that mean? It's time for somebody to die. And they believe Christ. Oh, death, where is thy sting? 
Oh, grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We may experience that death, that grave, in six minutes. I don't know. On the way home. Right now. Will we praise God for it? Will we, will we leave a testimony that our family can be comforted in? When my dad died, one of my brothers said, I want to know the God that he knew. And I said, there's a man God sent to preach him three times a week right down the road. <coughs> Come hear him. Come hear him. What's our response? What's our attitude to something like that? David wrote in Psalm 47, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible, and he's the king over all the earth. Just like those trees and those, those mountains. We're going to sing and we're going to clap. Makes us happy. He said, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord, with a sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Don't just know that's what it says. Get a hold of it. God, teach us what this means. And make us rejoice in him and what he said. Believers look for that day. Like I said, Paul told that at the church of Thessalonica. He said, you wait for the Son from heaven who was raised from the dead, Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That one that laid down his life for us came the first time. He's coming the second time. That's who we're looking for. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Uh, everybody wants to escape hell. Those that the Lord worked with in power, they won't be with him and be made like him. Turn over to Luke 21. Luke 21. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. There's going to be a whole lot going on. There, was, there used to be a whole lot going on. There's a whole lot going on right now. And if the Lord keeps this place for another 500 years, guess what's going to be going on? A whole lot. There's a lot going on. But men's hearts are going to fail. Verse 26. Men's hearts failing them. Why? From fear. They're scared. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. They're afraid because they're looking to things of this earth. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, when this happens... When that, that cloud takes over the whole earth and then it's rolled back as a scroll and the mountains are singing and the trees are clapping, when that happens, believer, I want you to do something because God says to do it. Then look up. Look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Your Redeemer's coming. Look up. They come up that movie a couple years ago about the end of the world and it says, don't look up. <laughs> Isn't that mankind? God says, look up. They don't want to. We keep looking down. He says, look up. When that happens, you're in Christ. and He's your hope. Look up. Look up. Look to him. 
He's coming. He's drawing nigh. We've been talking a lot about the revelation. I've referenced that a whole lot. How does that end? How does that end? I'm going to teach you something. You ready? Do we want to learn something? Turn over to Revelation 3. I'm going to switch it up in my notes. Revelation 3, and we'll close. Verse 14. I'm in John. Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith thee, Amen. Who's that? The faithful and true witness. Do you know that's Christ's name? He's the Amen. The beginning of the creation of God. How does this whole book start out? In the beginning... God. How does it end? How does it all end? Revelation 22. The Lord's coming again. He has come. He has risen. He's seated victorious and he shall come again. In the beginning, God. Revelation 22, verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, this is Christ speaking, surely I come quickly. Amen. And then John responds, even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Christ. Amen. He's God. He's the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he's coming again. He's coming again. And I pray those that don't know him would. And I, I pray that all men would be saved. I do. But until then, we'll watch and wait, and we'll do what he's put in our hand to do, won't we? All right, let's pray together. Father, keeps our hearts turned to our Master, our King, our Lord. And even so, come quickly, Lord. Come. What a day that'll be when our King we see. Lord, haste the day. Thank you for this gospel. Thank you for giving these words of comfort, of teaching us what this will take place and, and, and to prove that word to us when it does come to pass. Thank you for the heart you've given your people, Lord. Keep us tuned to him. Forgive us for what we are. Be with our brethren everywhere, those that are suffering and in pain and grief. and Lord, fix their eyes above too on things above. We ask these things because of Christ. Amen.